Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17 to 19. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jeff here and Happy New Year. It's 2016 and this is our first episode for the year. Pretty excited about the year ahead and what's going to happen with Mums the Word. I plan to be getting a really great podcast website happening, so stay tuned for that. That's on my goal list. And um, well, it's been a super hectic, busy time. I can't say it any other way than that for me personally behind the scenes. I've done an international move from Melbourne to Amsterdam in the last three weeks and um, being a single mum and having two small children who are three and six, it's been quite a lot settling into a new a new home with all our things on a ship. So none of our creature comforts or at least most of the kids' toys are on a ship. And uh, I guess uh, no routine, no school or daycare. So they have started now, but um, with mummy, that being me, um, uh, spending most of her time at the practice and working pretty hard, uh, covering for another doctor that's away as well. Um, yeah, it's been pretty hectic and so producing new episodes has not been on the uh, possibility list at that moment in time and I guess the um, the combination of me uh, uh, seeing lots of new pregnant mamas in the practice and letting them know that I have a podcast um, and them getting pretty excited and I guess maybe even overwhelmed about so many episodes, it um, it just came to me that the best idea would be to do a, a best of series, um, I guess the top 10 combination of my favorite episodes and the most downloaded episodes. So um, with uh, 2016 starting, I thought our, uh, our best uh, episodes to date will be launched as our best of series. And uh, to start it all off, I'm um, pretty excited to share my favorite episode 
of all time because it's with a really all-star woman that I love. Jackie Bloomer Deborah was my midwife for both the, both the kids and uh, I cherish her and what she does. She is um, a mum and a wife and also a certified professional midwife. She's a doula, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. So she does herbs and acupuncture. She's a nutritionist and a doula trainer and she lives both in Amsterdam and Cape Town. She's passionate about fertility, pregnancy, childbirth and women's health and is continually exploring the various aspects of global maternal health and in particular midwifery care and the continuum of care. She uh, she recognises that um, uh, midwifery care can improve maternal outcomes because experience and research has clearly shown that pregnancy and childbirth care, which has been demedicalized and restores dignity and humanity to the process of childbirth by returning the control to the birthing woman, has proven to be the safest approach. I love this episode and uh, it was my inaugural episode, so maybe a little bit sketchy in terms of my uh, interview style, but um, I guess we've come a long way, but it's still very dear to my heart and I'm happy to hear, uh, happy to share with you the episode where we discuss keeping birth normal with midwife-led birth. Enjoy the episode. Well, Jackie, I don't even know where to start. I am just so thrilled to have you on my first episode for the podcast and um, it's obviously of sentimental uh, importance to me, you being uh, my midwife for both the kids born in Amsterdam mm. and um, well, just your array of talents and the, the notches in your belt that you have and all the things that you can do and do do, I'm just so thrilled to have you. So that listeners get to benefit a little bit from your wisdom, tell us a little about about you and um, yeah, just you the mum and, and you Jackie the amazing uh, birth hero for me. (laughs) Thanks, Kaz. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's really, yeah, it's an honor. And of course, we do have a a very special relationship and bond because of being your midwife twice. Um, And not only that, um, we also have worked together um, with me referring clients to you as a a chiropractor. Um, But about me, yes, I'm, I'm a South African, and I live between Amsterdam and Cape Town, six months each. I skip the winters. Um, I don't like the cold, so that's really important for me. I'm a mother. I have a daughter who's 26, Molly, who's just amazing. I birthed her at home. Um, Very empowering experience in the sense that um, not only is it just amazing to be to be allowed to birth naturally but it it was really empowering because I never ever knew that it could be any other way I was just like oh wow just did that cool um so that was incredible for me and it was not what led me into midwifery at all um because it wasn't needed I, I didn't need to think wow that birth didn't go the way I wanted it or that was so exactly what I wanted and it wasn't hospital that I need to pursue this it just was I love that when looking back on it um I'm I moved into midwifery in a weird interesting ways that I started writing about health as a journalist um, I'm not even sure you know that, Kaz. But, no, I know you're uh, a makeup artist in a former life as well. Oh, yeah. So there's more than meets the eye. That's my dark secret past. Oh, sorry. Um, everybody, everybody knows now. <laughs> no, I used to be a makeup artist and then I started studying health. To uh, I studied journalism and wanted to be a travel writer, but I had a baby. And travel writing and babies 
I don't think that's it. wasn't for me a good combination. So I thought, well, well, what else am I passionate about, and what am I going to write about? And that was health. And for me, health is starts with nutrition, big time, very, very important. And I slowly started specialising in fertility, and by specialising in fertility, in your practice as a nutritionist you end up with pregnant women. And then I was like, okay, now I need to know about pregnancy. And then slowly moved into doing Chinese medicine, um, always specialized in pregnancy and fertility, uh, childbirth and postpartum. Um, herb- I studied herbs and also, again, specialized in the maternal health sector. And eventually was attending births as an acupuncturist. Midwives were calling me in Um I was at a birth and caught my first baby because the midwife didn't make it on time. Um, I heard about something that was a doula. I thought, well, I'll look into that. Caught my second baby because the midwife was too late and then thought, okay, that's it. Now I'm going to study midwifery. I don't like catching babies when I don't really know everything about it. And that's it. A midwife doesn't just catch babies. Midwives create relationships with their clients midwives um, support their clients in, in, in information so that they can make informed consents and refusals. Midwives love their clients, mostly. Um, they empower women to birth the way nature intended, if that's a possibility, if they're low risk and healthy. Um, they encourage them to become healthier in pregnancy, which encourages their chances to become uh, to have a natural birth, and midwives empower women to to actually trust in their bodies, trust in what we've been doing for decades and for trillions of years. I want to say, you know, it's it can't be proven wrong. It really can't be proven wrong. And and for and yeah, to to say it perfectly is that midwifery um, actually just follows the path of natural, natural birth, natural pregnancy, natural support the way that it was uniquely meant and the way it was always happening. Before hospitals and medical facilities, um, a midwife was a completely normal factor at a birth. And now it's become kind of more quirky or unusual in some countries. Um, and, and, and why is that so important? Why is natural birth so important? Why is it so important that we need to support our women to do what nature intended? <laughs> I think... Um, Hmm. Well, it, would so, it would be so nice not to even have this conversation while we have to actually say know, why we need right. a midwife because I mean really as exactly. a chiropractor why I always for me it was a no-brainer is that we're so aligned you know it's been happening since the beginning of the time you have nothing required externally to be able to birth your baby you have everything you need and and for me yeah. it was just this is exactly it, ma- it makes sense I'm not sick obviously in Holland the the word for hospital is sick and house I mean that in itself is just a repulsive word that makes me think that is not where my baby's going to come into this you know touch mm. er- earth side um, and uh, that's absolutely so. yeah so the fact that we even have to have a conversation why a midwife it should really be the reverse you know why do we have to justify the medical intervention i mean this is just my opinion of course yes we should be looking at it through the eyes of this is healthy unless otherwise proven mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. where so in countries like the netherlands new zealand in in some areas in australia in the uk uh scandinavia midwives are the first line of care so you go to a midwife and until 
and hopefully not, something is detected that is a possible complication or out of the norm, you stay with the midwife. And then when the midwife who is trained to detect and to guide and to make sure that things are, do not become a complication and to pick them up before they, they do, she will collaborate and refer her client through to the hospital. And then the hospital care is obviously the optimum care when there is a complication. That's not what it's about. But midwives, you see, in, in Holland, we also have second line midwives working in hospitals and their care is just one step closer to the humanistic, holistic paradigm of childbirth. Because when a woman births, it's not just a baby who's being born, it's a mother that's that's being born, basically, or created or made. And the way she's treated during her birth will affect how she feels about herself. Um, and it'll affect how she feels about being a mother and being able to parent. That's the impact it has. So better birth, better world. You know, that's um, I, that's the the logo on the website that I'm the the head of the the director of education for, and we're educating midwives to to be safe, autonomous practitioners that are there for one reason only, and that's just to keep God and to support and to collaborate with women to 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 do this magical thing because. Actually, a midwife considers the miracle of birth normal and leaves it alone unless there's trouble. That's basically it. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, there's some flashes as you're speaking. There's flashes coming back to obviously uh -huh. some, some of my experience with you. I just can't help but think about it when you talked about um, when you spoke about catching babies and, well, I'm glad to know mm. that you had that before the experience of the rush of the panic of the baby arriving before you were even ready, before you were even a midwife, so that in my situation with Noah, I mean, you didn't even bat an eyelid actually, you know. it was. Uh, I think it was more my mother that was worried that where is everybody yeah. at this point in time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and suffice to say both times, both times I did not catch your babies. No. You caught babies yeah um, well, they managed to float up to the surface on their own that was uh, really special i think you said i think you said pick up your baby i think you said that yes. or look at your baby or something like that mm -hmm. yeah There's your baby. yeah yeah anyway i couldn't help i couldn't help but get distracted so um you know and what about a little bit about the doula work where does that come in from where your story of the midwifery i mean was it doula first then midwife or the other way around yes yes and i think it's a really great progression um i think that and, and I do want to explain why I say that. In essence, midwives in for centuries have have also actually been doulas. So, you know, they're there to inform, to support, and to to be that continuum of care, which is one of the most important things about doulas. Um, but when when the baby starts coming, and or something happens that's out of the norm, the midwife needs to be trained and and able and capable of doing something about it. So she has to be clinically trained. Um, and what she does at that stage is she cannot longer, she can no longer be the doula. She is now the midwife and has to let her doula side fall, which means a doula is there for the mother, full stop. That's it. Boom. And the partner and the birth, you know, companions who are there, but her main focus is the mother. The midwife, her her focus is the mother until the baby starts coming, and then 
and she has, you know, baby, she'll listen to the baby's heartbeat and stuff like that. Once the baby starts coming and once the baby is born, the baby takes the main focus of the midwife. Whereas if there's a doula as well and a midwife cannot split herself in half, then the doula stays, the mother stays the focus of the doula. So going back a step, I feel that A, to be a doula first, you get to be at births, at natural births, you get to be at medical births, you get to be at C-sections, and you get to see and be an observer and a support and that continuum of care without having any responsibilities at all. So you can you hone in on what the focus is, right? Whereas a midwife, even when you're learning, um, you're kind of always having to, well, you, like you cannot just have clinical, one focus. You're losing your clinical brain as well. So it's like you can't be yeah, you in have heart, to. heart space and, and, you know, brain space. At this. It's very difficult. I mean, you really. You do do it. The pressure's You on. have to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pressure's on. And Adula's just in the heart space. That's it. That's where she's at. And she's ensuring that that experience for that mother works out to be the best possible experience in that scenario possible. And. I loved having no responsibility other than that as a doula before getting the, the, you know, adding on the responsibilities of becoming a midwife and having that clinical knowledge as well and responsibility. I, I loved it. And I think um, it's harder when you're already a midwife to then be a doula. You're going, oh, hang on a minute. But, 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 but. It's very hard to just step back and do that. that. So so I think it's a good progression. There are some birth, um, there are some midwives in birth centers in in America that uh, work with students and with our students um, from the Birth Institute. And what what they do is you go in first as uh, a doula, and you're called a doula. Then you go in as a montrice, which means you're um, assisting but not doing any of the primary care and then you go in as a primary uh assist, as you know assistant to the midwife as your as a student and it's lovely because that that's exactly how it works you kind of it's the steps up and the progression that that should be happening yeah yeah i mean you know that i'm yeah. I'm, I'm very pro doula of course i mean i knew i wanted one before, mm-hmm. I, before i ever knew i was pregnant um, but you've yes. managed to you've managed to be around birth a lot internationally, actually. You know, obviously yes. lots of parts of Africa. I know you had your work in Indonesia. You know, you're Holland. I mean, just been to Guatemala. Yeah, just yeah. been to Guatemala. I mean, yeah. 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 So I mean, not all these all all these mums are having doulas and midwives. I can imagine. No. Um, and so I mean, there has to be. Uh, maybe the midwife is available more. They're so um, far, I guess, remote. It's not necessarily, I mean, it's probably absolutely not in a hospital setting. Um, so are they then more a doula come midwife in those countries or there's less support? How does that go? I'm just curious. It's interesting because in, in, so I've worked in developing countries, but but because I w- my focus is midwifery, I've um, I've been working mostly with with midwives um, in various settings, um, either home birth midwives or birth center midwives um, or hospital midwives, um, and those those are those are separated by many degrees. Um, but in essence, in all the developing countries, in every situation I've been in, midwives work in teams of two, and one takes on much more the doula role, and one takes on the midwifery role. That's interesting. I love that. That's amazing. Um, yes, that's how most other countries in the Netherlands work. Work, yeah, and and even you know in the states they work like that. And 
many countries work with a midwifery student as the doula. So she's on the job learning and she's the doula, as I said. But many of them will just work with a f- uh, what we call um, a first and a second. So I will have a client as a midwife and she will need my backup. But my backup is also going to be at the birth and I will be the primary and she is there to assist me. Yeah. And then you have to you have four hands, you know, and two hearts. I mean, <laughs> I mean obviously, it, it really is. It comes down to the continuum of care because you know, I, I'm if if a hospital is where someone feels comfortable, I understand that you know that's where they obviously dilate more and and feel at ease and have better outcomes. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, it's very rare that you're going to have the same continuum. I mean, Holland is very different. Of course, you if you're non-medical, you get your midwife. But in a, in, a, in other countries, there's like a changing of the guard, and and surely that lends itself to being a number. In Holland, you also in Holland you're also subjected to shifts. Okay. So you do get a midwife, but if you're if you come in with you know just beginning labour or just beginning in your active labor, at the close to the end of a shift, you will see a whole new team take over. That includes the maternity nurse, the, the midwife, and the OBGYN who's in charge of her, and often her assistant or student or the intern. You know, there's, there's yeah, normally a so, group of about so five of, hovering about. Regardless of the outcomes and what actually happens, if we just bring it back down to that someone was with you from go to woe, you're really mm-hmm. rarely going to get that in a hospital setting unless you have a very, very speedy labor. Is that correct? You never have it. You, yes. I don't think you ever have it in a hospital setting. Yeah. Because even a speedy labor, um, people will be bouncing in and out. Um, it's not that somebody's and, – and you might get a different nurse, you know, that because somebody else is having a speedy labor next door or a slow labor next door. And so then, you know, there's a swap, there's a switch. Um, they're not there just for you. Whereas your midwife and her assistant and your doula, they're there for you. They don't say, oh, excuse me, I have somebody else in the other room birthing. I'll be back in, you're you're doing really great. I'll be back in 20 minutes, half an hour, or call me if you need me. Hmm. You know, in essence, they don't. When midwives take on too many clients, they might do. And we do see it in some big group practices. But in essence, that's the big difference. A hospital is there with, you know, eight patients and I mean I'm, they have to you're, you're with, preaching to the converted yeah. I'm absolutely convinced here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but, yeah I think and and there's another thing that happens in hospitals cares which is really important it, and you and we need to understand that concept it's not that we're we're not poo-pooing it and saying well that's ridiculous how is that possible what we need to understand is that they are coming from the concept of everything's an emergency Things go wrong. People are at risk. Um, it's trouble. There's time <laughs> Childbirth isn't natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are time constraints. There's, I can't be dealing with her on hands and knees taking all that time. Come, come, come. There's that. There's, I don't know if four centimeters in an hour is really what, you know, in five hours is what, we, what we're happy with. Let's, let's intervene in there and let's see if we can get her to birth faster. Why? Everybody's doing fine. They don't go, why? They go just, you know, well, four isn't enough. We want five at least. So, and they just, they don't see, they, um, I love, there's, there's a, 
brilliant doctor and obstetrician, a man called Marsden Wagner, who was also the head of maternal uh, health for WHO. And Marsden Wagner, unfortunately, passed away about two years ago. Um, <laughs> I have some very fond personal memories of drinking bottles of Chardonnay and playing the piano and singing very loudly and out of tune with Marsden at a big conference once. Um, but he, I loved what he said. He said, I was standing up in front of a, a room of 2,000 OBGYNs, so obstetrician gynecologists, and talking about natural birth and taking births out of hospitals and putting them into birth centers and home, you know, having home births and promoting that. And there was a whole blah, 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 blah. And Marsden said, and I said to 2,000 OBGs, who in this room has been to a home birth? And nobody put up their hand. And that just says it all. Yeah. If they have no idea of how fantastic and natural and perfect we are at birthing when left to birth instinctively and undisturbed, they would, they would give, it, give us more space to do that. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. I really see it as a chiropractor how why we are so aligned. And if, if you know, it's not, yeah, I mean, there's been many a times I think I'd love to do that just because I think babies deserve to be brought into the world that way. But um, I'm yeah. not sure I could deal with those midnight phone calls, and not at this time in my life anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm, so, I'm so philosophically aligned that it all starts with birth. I mean, from my opinion, obviously from the work I do, it actually even starts in the pregnancy with the way the, the mother, um, obviously you said as well with their nutrition, but for me as Absolutely. well, from a, from a structural point of view, I mean, you're going to have an optimal outcome if the mother's got an optimal spine and pelvis. I mean, it just makes sense the way they're going to birth. So, I mean, we're just so aligned and it, it's, it's heartbreaking to think that mm -hmm. that many people would never have seen a home birth. It's the same on the... Um, the business of being born video i think they say a similar thing in the hospital there's a scene where they talk about you know who actually has seen a natural birth you know these nurses nurse midwives all in a row going nope yes. nope yeah and that you know and that's and and that's the whole thing about why in midwifery care when a woman is becomes pregnant no she's not sick she goes to see her midwife and what does her midwife do she educates her about um, her health, her lifestyle, what could be going on in her pregnancy informs her about, you know, what's best for her, what's dangerous for her, informs her about um, a healthy lifestyle because a healthy lifestyle brings her to a place where, well, A, she's building a healthier baby, of course. She is healthier, but she can also then have a, a better chance of, of having a natural birth, which is the best start for any baby. We all know that. And for History her, has proven. Said, and for her as the mother. And for her, and then postpartum. And then to be a woman and a mother and a wife and run a family, you know, and, and be a businesswoman, whatever she wants to do, that, that core of showing her that she can do that. During her pregnancy, she takes responsibility. That during her birth, she is in charge in postpartum, she's, she knows that power. She's tapped into it, so she knows. And she'll continue on that path of health. And, and a midwife's not just going to give her 
the you know the the advice about food or nutrition, but about everything. You know, how do you get back into shape afterwards? What and you know, how do you make sure that your pelvis is is perfect? So now we get to we send them to chiropractors or advise them to go and to craniosacral and to yoga um, and you know Pilates, whatever suits them. And that a midwife is also the sort of source of resources in the center and then, you know, has a kind of a network to enable women to do that best of all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's just demedicalizing the whole birth idea. Everything about it needs to just be demedicalized about not just birth but pregnancy. Michelle, Michelle O'Dar, and this is, you know, I mean, I know that he's like a walking encyclopedia as um, as an MD and a and hugely experienced in birth and, and obstetrics, and he's already in his eighties. But he he once said at a conference, you know, the it's been proven that demedicalizing birth, and I don't even know, I don't even think that's the real word, but you know, taking the medicalized making it normal <laughs> out of pregnancy and birth. It restores dignity in that mother and humanity in the process of pregnancy and birth, and it retur- returns the control to the mother. And this has been proven not only to empower women and feel, make them feel good about their experiences, but it's safest. It's the safest approach. It's been proven. And I can so far to say is it's probably cheaper as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yes. Let's, a, you know, yeah, there's a whole other discussion it, that we could have, but I mean, it, it just makes sense as well. And there's just also this stigma somehow that you you have to share horror stories. And I, I mean, I even remember with, with such a great birth outcome, I mean, you almost feel guilty. Do you remember I said, was it within an hour I said I could do that again? And then you feel like. Oh, no, it wasn't even an hour. You were like half an hour later, right, I'm going to be doing that again. And you did. But, yeah, so close to just having having gone through childbirth. And that, I mean, birth stories, cares that something that has to be, that has to be shared. Those birth stories we used to gather in kitchens and, I mean, I'm not, you know, um, De defeminizing, you know, saying feminism has has created problems, um, but it has in one way because it's taken us out of that kind of okay, women in the kitchen, men doing you know their thing, whatever. It still happens in South Africa, by the way. The men stand around the barbecue, and I think they do in Australia as well. And then women, you know, gather and and cackle around the food um, and share their stories, not just of birth but of pregnancy. You know, it just keep taking it back to fertility, to sex, to to intimacy. You know, women are not doing that anymore. Girls don't know what it, how you need to rejoice when you have your a beautiful cycle, and that that's your your right and your fertility right as a woman. You know, and then pregnancy. You know, what are these? What's this happening? And what's that? We never had to rely on everybody else. We relied on. Our group of women and our midwife was a part of that group of women. You know, that's how it was. And then we shared those stories and birth stories told by women who were active participants in giving birth will express this practical wisdom and inspiration to other women, to inform other women. And positive stories is how we do that. Yeah. Yeah. And all, and, and we're all just focused on the horror stories, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, That's hopefully this the podcast thing. can change some of that. So, you know, we can take yes. it even a little bit more global in that sense. Um, because, well, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, your birth stories need to be told because you've got, you've got two of the most beautiful births I have ever attended. 
Um, I remember you said something about chiropractors and birth at one point, but I don't remember oh, what it was. I, so I attended two of your births and you're a chiropractor. I attended three births of another client who was a chiropractor, so her, all three her births. Um, I attended the a birth of a chiropractor's wife and I attended the birth of another chiropractor's wife. So that's five birth stories of or five women that I've attended who are inextricably involved in chiropractic and they all birthed beautifully. Those babies just find their way out and I'm I'm not talking about fast or short or long or any I'm just talking about beautiful beautiful births every single one of them so you mean hands and off, hands off and oh yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah and and efficient so you know one might have taken 12 hours to dilate in the first birth and the other might have taken 18 but a beautiful efficiency from first contraction that built up beautifully to stronger contractions to now I'm starting to make noise and now I'm feeling like I can't you know I'm going into my bubble and now I'm in my pool and now I'm birthing my baby and now my baby's born. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it's giving me it's giving me goosebumps <laughs> just saying that. But it's that's seven, eight babies. I mean, I'd say there's um, almost close to zero information about birth in the in the in the general chiropractic degree. Um, itself, the process and the pregnancy, it's more maybe a little bit of pediatrics in fifth year. Obviously all the other work I've done is postgraduate, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not the understanding. It's obviously trust in the body. And that we know this is normal. I think that's just literally from a mindset point of view. And obviously, because yeah. we're adjusted regularly, our nervous systems are in tune. And at the end of the day, it's the it's the physiology that's driving the labour. I mean, hormone. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Not not only the physiology cares really. As a chiropractor, you shouldn't. Yeah, it's it is a physiology, but it's also that there there is possible pathology that gets in the way mm-hmm. of course it's the physiology driving it but um and the baby and you know it's it's this whole beautiful oh, no. beautiful dance, dance and yeah. cocktail but as you well know if there's misalignment in in anything the not just the bones and the spine or you know the the but also the ligaments and also the emotions if there's something stuck yeah in so the emotion hand hand. it's yeah. it so it's not just it's I'm not just saying that well everybody who goes to a chiropractor is going to birth beautifully. That's not what I'm saying. But it is you will find that the women who are either married to those chiropractors or with them or the women who both of these you and and my other client who is a chiropractor it becomes it it filters through into your lifestyle as you say alignment aligning working on your emotions working on what is it I need? Who am I, you know, as a, as a person to become this mother? Uh, is everything in alignment as far as my physical body goes? And how do I, how do I make sure that my birth is going to be efficient by creating the safest possible environment for my hormones to just, you know, do their beautiful work? Um, so, yeah, it's all those factors. Yeah, and obviously organic or, you know, healthy lifestyle. I think one of the things as well is that 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 thirst for knowledge, you know, I just wanted to learn everything I could about it. And obviously the more you read, the more trust and faith. For me, that's more from an education. Mm. I feel more sound when I know more. I mean, I think the biggest yeah. challenge for me in, in the labour, I think I said to you, you know, how much longer, how much longer? And that was a challenge because, of course, you can't tell me. Um, 
you know, yeah. I, that's that part of my brain needed to be fulfilled. And obviously then it gets to the transition where you have to let go of that. And if you do, it's fine. Um, okay, so let's 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 um, take it up a notch or a different notch anyway. I mean, you must have a, an array of affirmations and birth quotes, and I mean, mm-hmm. that you, I just love. I mean, feel free to share, you know, its meaning or, or something that you would even share um, with a client. Um, well, one of my favorite, yeah, I've got so many quotes, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous, but what you know is specifically directed to to birth is that a healthy woman who labors and births spontaneously performs a job yeah, that cannot be improved upon, which is Sarah Buckley. And it's, it just cannot be improved upon, you know, it's, that's it. So that's a beautiful, beautiful quote. And I have, I, I one of my, one of my heroes is Aung San Suu Kyi and, um, I had two of her quotes, which have nothing to do with birth, but have to do with women um, and to do with ourselves are my favorite quotes. And the, what she once said, she said, the education and empowerment of women throughout the world cannot fail to result in a more caring, tolerant, just and peaceful life for all. I'll send you that quote because it's just beautiful. And it's and it is specifically aimed at women, which is, you know, where I work, I work, I work empowering women, empowering them to become midwives and to become autonomous, be, you know, really incredible practitioners because they go out and empower women. And women are the core of our society. They are. And I, I just love that. I do, um, I do love uh, her and her quote. So the other quote that she said is my top, top priority for people is to understand they have the power to ta- change things themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's all empowerment. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank, thanks, Jack. And yeah, and then I, I do live by that quote. It's the you know, um, if you don't, if you don't realize that you have the power to change things, that you are not, a, you know, then, then, then you become a victim and you live a very unempowered life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the minute women who are, who are choosing for a you know a birth situation or place or you know, they're the caregiver that they want. And they know that, that the power, that they are not, um, they have the power. That's it. If you give that control back to women and they understand that and they have the power to make the decisions and to birth themselves, then that's where, that's where it lies, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm often, I'm often caught saying or sharing, at least my mantra in my birth was my grandmother did it, my mum did it. My yeah, did it. I can do it too. And I'm often caught saying to clients, "There's nothing in my body that I have that you don't have." I mean, right? So it's not like we had right. this special situation carved out just for us. Um, no, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. So, I mean, this this podcast is really set to be, like you said, that I guess online hub or community where you know people. You know, we all admit that we all have similar struggles and concerns. I mean, all around the world, we're not so very different, really. So, I mean, obviously, everything sounds super positive so far. Um, but tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about um, maybe on a personal level, even a professional level, um, where you struggled in this midwifery circle. I mean, I know it's not easy to be a midwife. It just isn't. I mean, it's a challenge it's like being a chiropractor in a medicalized world. Um, you know, was there a struggle? And, and if so, what did you learn? And, and how does that, yeah, where is it at now? Well, the struggle is constant, to be honest. Um, 
one of the easiest places to be a midwife, you know, because that's where I've worked as well, is, is in Holland because the system's set up really nicely for it. And even there, it's a struggle. Midwifery is like 5% occupation and 95% dedication. Um, because if you aren't, if you don't have that 95% of dedication, you're going to not actually continue being a midwife. The, the, and why I say that is um, the, the dedication is, is to the women and pregnant women can be quite challenging and birth can be, can be hard. Is, birth is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a moment when women really, really meet that, that line between being able to, to do something and to live and to go for something and to give up. It's almost like a line between life and death. I, mean, I know that sounds really kind of profound, but it's true. I remember reaching that point in my labor. Um, but, and I hear women say it really often, I'm just not, I'm going to die. Well, it's and a it's like, of an I know. Out of body. You do. In a way, it's just, it's yes. like you're touching, it's a bit godly in a way, isn't it? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. have a word for it. And that's what I feel the same, life and death, not that then yes. is about. It's not a death over. of, yeah. No, it's just, there's, a, there's, a, but it's, there's something more than words there yeah and there's a there's a there's an ending of one kind of who you are and a, and a beginning of another kind of who you are um but women are demanding and you be and they have to be and that's you know you have to allow for that support you have to continually support women which means your phone is always on you miss you miss birthdays and graduations you um <laughs> Your clients come first and your family suffers from that often. And they have you have to have a really, really good support behind you um, saying that's okay. That's okay that you're missing something we've planned for four years. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating. You do have backups and you do call them in. But literally you do. You, you're, you choose for your clients first. And... And you have to be on your toes. There are two lives at, at risk. And I'm not saying it's a risky business, but there, there is always. It's, you know, if you're, if you're um, like my son who's flying, who's a pilot, you know, he has, he, that's a risk that he has. He's taking 250 people with him as a pilot, and that's risky. And I do that every day. You know, I do that when I, well, when I attend births. But, but then being a midwife in the medicalized world, that's, you know, that's the other huge part of the dedication. You have to so fully believe in what you do to be able to really bounce up against that constant fear factor that's being created by the medical world. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. And in some countries, as a midwife, I mean, here, it's re- there are th- in Cape Town, I am in Cape Town right now, um, there are very few hospitals where you can pitch up with a woman who, who, you know, when you need to transfer because something's not going right. They're like, well, you shouldn't have been in a home birth in the first place. Um, whereas, you know, I mean, they're really good birth centers and there are some hospitals who really promote the home birth, but there are other hospitals who just, nope. So if you don't get a good backup, you cannot offer a woman the, the opportunity of, of choosing for a home birth. And that's sad. Yeah. 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 It's like you yeah. chose so it and it didn't work out well. Sorry, we can't help you now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I mean, I'm obviously super grateful for the passion, the passion of midwives, just obviously listening to it from the struggle side um, because it isn't easy. I mean, I, I draw a line alignments, so obviously with chiropractic because it's just, 
there's a similar story there. I think that's why I feel such a connection. But, um, you know, you do put yourself in such a, um, I mean, there's such a trust given over. I mean, even if I look at Shai's um, story, you know, I mean, without your judgment, I mean, he may not be here. There's just, you know, obviously the listeners don't know the story, but um, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing birth and already tucked up in bed, skin to skin, and then suddenly you have a blue, three hours postpartum. You, have, you yeah. have a blue baby and no one knows why, and off we go to hospital and, you know, with oxygen and all the rest of the story. I mean, this is just, I mean, thank mm-hmm. God you were there. I mean, in, in any other home birth situation, I probably wouldn't have had a midwife still there. Everything happens for a reason, of course, but um, and he's mm-hmm. absolutely fine and has no, um, you wouldn't know it actually, is as strong as me. Yeah. But, I mean, tell us what drives well, you. Well, he had a good, yeah. This passion, this passion, I mean, there's a, drive, there's a drive there. You've touched on it a little bit about wanting to change the world one baby at a time. You know, what gets you up so that you do miss the, the special family events and, the, I mean, the sheer exhaustion of going from one birth, you know. I mean, I know there's a client that you had, I think it was two days, uh, in your oh, easily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there, there's, a, there's something, there's an essence that gets you to do that. What is it? Yeah, because I think that, well, it, what gets me up and what gets me out there and what, what inspires me to, to train midwives, to get more midwives out there is what I was saying, that midwifery care is proven not only to be, um, you know, the, the best respectful maternity care that a woman can receive um but it's also safer and so we're you know i'm it's it's the it's the respectful but also safe care that women get and whether i'm doing it one-on-one as a midwife myself or a doula um or i'm doing it by training midwives that is that is my what that's one of my goals or that's what gets me up is i want I want every single woman to have the right to maternal, where her maternal care is under the care of a midwife. I want her to be able to choose that she has a midwife and possibly a doula and that she gets treated with respect and has the birth that she chooses or births in the place that she chooses to, to birth in and has the best chance of birth, you know, birthing and bringing her baby into this world safely, respectfully and with eminent amounts of love and and awe because no matter what the women's memories of childbearing experiences stay with them throughout their lifetime i saw a woman last week 87 years old the grandmother of a friend of mine we went to a birthday party and i walked in the door and and she just came up to me and she said i believe you're a midwife i'd never met her before and i said yes i am and she said I'd love to tell you my story. I'm like, what? I was like, really? And she said, I had the most wonderful, wonderful birth. She has one child. That's the mother of the mother of my friend. Or the mother of, yeah, the mother of my friend. And she just regaled this amazing experience of her home birth. And she was just, you know, full of it. Unfortunately, there was another grandmother there who was just bitter and sad and unhappy and not and just said, well, I'm glad you had a good experience, but mine was a horror story and literally cried. There were tears of joy from one woman and tears of frustration and unhappiness 50 odd years later. Women it's and it's just makes who they are. I feel um, 
it's the quality, you know, if I can ensure that women get that kind of quality and the possibility um, of that care, then that's what it's about. Yeah, no, the choice is just, it's so important. And whatever they choose, yeah. they had the choice in the first place. That's it. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I've had women who, um, who have cho- who've come to me for, to be their doula um, and have chosen at some stage to go the OBGYN way and to have a hospital birth. You know, if I can, if I can make, if I am sure that she's had all the information there is out there, it doesn't matter what I think, but if she's got all the information which I supply her of what's out, you know, of, of what her choices are that she's making and what she's choosing for, then I will support her in her choices. Yeah, you because yeah, you did your job. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel yeah. the same. So, I mean, obviously, wow. listeners out there, they see they see this episode, and maybe they've got a, a baby in the belly. I mean, <laughs> what, what, I mean, what would you tell your younger self, or you'd want to share with these mums, maybe um, in a country where it's not supported, or may God forbid, way more expensive, or you would be guarded that you've got three heads because you want to choose that option. I mean, is there something that I mean, I'm not asking you to convince them, but is there something that you could share? Never presume, ever. Never presume that what the doctor's telling you or what you're reading on the internet or what I'm saying or what your midwife is saying is the the spoken truth. Go out there and find the information and look at what history has proven and... Look for where you can find the trust in, in, in where you the trust in yourself to make that right decision with all the information out there, and then make something that resonates. Make the decision that resonates with you, not with what your mother says or your doctor says, or the five hundred scary internet um, searches say. And they're all out there, and we're you know we're this is going to be a search on internet as well. Um, but find that place of back back to that original feeling of trust and knowing um, with the information you've got and make your decisions based on that. Never, ever presume that when a doctor says something like, oh, no, this baby's far too big to be birthed naturally, that that is the golden truth. Yeah. That, really that, just that, go. Absolutely. Yeah. Gold. I mean, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, that is, that is such good advice. Um, any in any sort of books or um, websites or anything that you think that yeah. you'd like to share? There's some um, invaluable resources that have helped you along your way. Obviously, I'd like well, to your book, and that will be in the show notes, of course. So all these um, things that you've mentioned, some of these quotes, I will provide in the show notes for people to to um, to access them, so they don't have to push, stop, and play, and stop and play, and try and catch it. But obviously, I, I believe, I mean, your book is a great resource. But more for you, what's been something that um, you know, that a great book that someone would want to read. Every single woman who wants to be pregnant or is pregnant has to read Ina May Gaskin's Spiritual Midwifery. I know that it's way out there and it's hippified and it's, but it's you cannot go through your pregnancy without having read that side of. Um, you have to just read, you know, that's it. Ina May Gaskin's Spiritual Midwifery um, is essential. And then for the more, for informational um, websites, I would say there are 
there are three websites I would refer, I refer my clients and my midwifery students and um, to that I think are are really worth worth taking seriously, which is Midwife Thinking, which is Rachel Reed. She's a she's an Australian um, midwife, and I think if if I ever have a question that I want to explain a little more clearly, I just go to Rachel Reed, um, and it's called Midwife Thinking. So I'll send you that link. Childbirth Connection is the website where you go to find all the evidence-based stuff um, that, you know, they'll quote the Cochrane uh, database. So all the research that's out there. And Sarah Buckley is, she's she's incredible. Sarah Buckley's an MD and she's been working in birth and, you know, midwifery for years. So those three, Rachel Reed, um, Sarah Buckley and Childbirth Connection are my top three. I've got about five million more, but you know, if <laughs> I you, know if, you do, if, I know you do. You know, Royal College of Midwifery. If you want the British aspect, is also a great resource site. They've got lots of really good um, client information sheets, um, you know, sort of fact sheets and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think just with those three, and then going from there that you don't rabbit hole too much. I think those three are really great. And a good film to see, besides the business of being born and orgasmic birth, I think those are good resources. But, you know, business of being born is very American. Mm-hmm. And uh, orgasmic birth is, is, is one, you know, very natural birth aspect um, without, very, you know, without too much um, space. Um, to look at other, you know, the, the evidence out there. Um, good book, good uh, films to read, but The Face of Birth, that's a very good film for those who, you know, who want to take the time and um, and just watch a, watch a good film about the state of birth worldwide at the moment. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I obviously I could, yeah, I mean, my gratitude is so far-reaching. It's been... Um, it's been an honor for me to have you on the first episode. Um, is there, just before I go, is there, is there um, any, the best thing that we could sort of have clients, um, listeners, sorry, reach you with all the work that you're doing if they want to reach out to you? What's the best contact or website that they can catch you on? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to. No, my website, no, my website is not actual anymore um, at the moment. It's, an email address maybe? Uh, if I would prefer them to come via you and that you, you can vet, um, people and reach out to me when you feel that, um, this is a a question that's good for me to answer. Um, yeah, you know, yes, yes. If they wanted to know more about, you know, what I do, they can look on the birth Institute website, of course. Um, and yeah, I think I I would prefer not to just be bombarded by questions directly. So, um, yeah. via you, I would yeah. be happy if you if you vetted them first. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Good. So much. It was wonderful, and I yeah, very honoured to be the first guest. Um, and yeah, I mean, our connection is a hard connection, and so uh, it was lovely to do this and to share. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. 
We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.